Thank you for joining us today on episode number 247 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So as runners, we know there is more to training for a goal than to just simply run. But with a crunch schedule, we ask ourselves which parts of the training plan are actually necessary. So today we're talking about two specific parts, warm-ups and cool-downs, and we need to incorporate them. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today we're talking about what is necessary when it comes to our runs, to our training plans, and specifically we're focusing on warm-ups and cool-downs. So maybe you're someone who loves warm-ups and cool-downs and you incorporate them in every run, and maybe you really don't know what we're talking about and you've never incorporated a warm-up or a cool-down into your run and you just kind of go out and run whenever there's a run on your schedule. And so today we want to kind of explain like, what is a warm up and cool down? What are you know some of the things um, that you need to think about when deciding whether or not you want to do or you need to do a warm up or a cool down? Um, and then also kind of a basic overview on training plans. Like what is it that we need to really be looking at when it comes to building a training plan that's right for us? I think that's kind of a good place to start is really what do you need to actually put into a training plan? And to that end, you need to figure out like what is the purpose of the training plan? Like what are you trying to get out of the training plan? Because that really helps you decide what are you doing on a, on a daily basis when you need to more likely than not incorporate a warm-up or a cool-down. Like what are the benefits of these? They all come from knowing what you're trying to actually get out of the training plan itself. Right. So basically what we're doing is kind of taking the overarching, you know, taking it big and then moving down to little, right? We want to kind of look at the bigger goal of like, what are we trying to accomplish? Let's create a training plan that's going to help us get to that goal. And then within that training plan, how do we structure the week? How do we structure each individual day? How do we structure each individual workout? And that's kind of where we're going. So we're going to start out kind of looking at the macro level, kind of looking at the bigger picture and then bring it down to that micro level of like, how do I actually structure my workouts, my runs. Yeah, that seems to make make the most sense here. All right, so to start, let's look at some big guiding principles of putting together any training plan. Like whatever it is that you're aiming for, some guiding principles that we like to incorporate when trying to put together training plans for, for others, for ourselves, just some big things. One, essentially to get the best out of a training plan, you want to put on as much of a training load as you can that is sustainable, that's tolerable for that athlete. Like get the biggest bang for your buck out of it. Okay. So I I see your point there. Like you, you know, you, in order to get the best results, you want to be putting on the most amount of train load, but you have to also, there's this balance, right? You don't want to just overload just for the point of overloading or, or, um, you know, putting on the maximum load just because a lot of times that is unclear of where that is. Right. Well, there's sort of like a almost opposite training principle of this is you also want to put on the minimum load necessary. Right. And that's kind of what I think like it's kind of both, right? Like it, it, it is, that's kind of where like Kevin and I have, <laughs> I just had to pause the recording here because I was like, wait a second, what are you trying to say here? Cause sometimes that's what we do during the podcast. A little um, bit. But, but you know, like, well, let's just do this while the microphone is rolling. Right. 
It makes sense. So they sound like they're opposite ideas. Okay, so let's go through these two ideas again, right? So you want to give, in order to get the maximum benefit, you want to apply the maximum training load that the body is able to handle. Right. Okay. But you have to really focus on what the body is able to handle. Right. And then on the other hand, we have applying the minimum amount for you to still see the best benefit. Right. So there's a risk reward off of that thing is like if... If 100 miles a week is good, 150 is not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. If you're getting the full benefit and and at your risk tolerance at like 40 miles a week, there's not a benefit to go to 50 miles. There's not a benefit to go to 42 miles if you're getting it out of 40. Like if you're good on whatever you're currently at and you're kind of stretching yourself physically, then going beyond that is really just increasing the the risk without necessarily increasing a reward off of it or or increasing the reward very like in you know small incrementally like very yes. like a very small reward compared to a very larger increase in risk yes yes so that you kind of try the to, ratios yeah off. you you want to balance these things and make sure that you are in fact getting a good load onto your body in terms of overall volume in terms of intensity in terms of strength kind of depending on what it is that you're focusing on that particular training cycle right but your body has to be able to physically tolerate that load and then you your your mind has to be able to mentally tolerate that load right because if you are just continuously wearing your body down or wearing yourself down mentally that's going to lead to injury or burnout and so that's where it becomes this balance in this balancing act, right? Of where you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how much can I actually tolerate, right? How many running days per week can I tolerate? How many strength days? How many speed sessions? How long should my long runs be? All of these things are factors and variables that go into creating a training plan. And that's kind of where this, the idea of experimentation comes in. You know, we talk to our athletes and here on the podcast a lot about, having a spirit of experimentation because you don't necessarily know what's best for you until you try different options. hundred percent. And I, one of the big things behind this, and I heard this on another, uh, coaching podcast and they were quoting a, a different coach. So I'm not even sure where the thing began. And I'm sure that coach had taken it from somebody else. But the idea was, is that more is more and better is better, mm-hmm. but they're not the same thing. Yeah, more is not necessarily better. Right. It's right. a Venn diagram. Sometimes more is in fact better, but not always. Right. And that, that goes for mileage. That goes for strength training. That goes for all aspects of your training plan. Right. I mean, we have athletes on our training team that are running four days out of the week. And some of them have two sp- speed sessions and some of them have one speed session. Mm-hmm because that's what their body can tolerate. And it's a combination of mental and physical. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have like a high stress job, throwing a couple physical stress days at it of multiple speed workouts during the week is not necessarily going to be more beneficial than one speed workout a week and having easy days because your body would then be able to actually gain the the impact of that workout whereas if you have this very high stress job and you're throwing the physical stress of hard workouts regularly at it your body's never making the adaptations because you're just always at stress load yeah and i think that that's where it's important to remind everyone of the principle that stress is stress it doesn't matter where it comes from like if it's physical stress if it's mental stress if it's you know psychological stress all stress is stress on the body because it activates the same hormones, right? Like one of the main hormones that stress activates is cortisol. That's one of the main stress hormones in the body. And so it doesn't matter if you're releasing cortisol because of a hard physical workout or if you're releasing cortisol because of 
a, a very high stress job that you're in or career, it's still a lot of cortisol that's in the body. And there's, and the, that hormone, when it's circulating throughout your body has certain effects on us. Right. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what initiated that stress. Stress is stress. Right. And so like Kevin said, if you have a high stress type of lifestyle or high stress type of work environment, that needs to be taken into account when you plan out your training, when you are deciding how many speed sessions to do or how many days per week you want to run. Like, yes, for a lot of people, and this is where some people can get into trouble, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but a lot of people see running as stress relief right? Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of ways it is, right? Running does help us to get out there and, and take time for ourselves and clear our heads and kind of burn off the energy. But it also, depending on how hard you're running, is a stress on the body. And oh, yeah. especially if you're going out there to burn off stress, a lot of times when people are doing that, they're running harder than they should be, right? Most of the time, if you're going to burn off some stress, it's not usually a level two easy run. It's usually like a level five moderate run. Right, it's a level five moderate run, or it's it's five plus some sprints thrown into it. Yeah. Or you just need some like quiet time for yourself and it's a long run. Mm. And I don't care what pace you're doing it. If you're out there for over two hours, that is stress on the body. Yeah. And so you go out on a run thinking that you're going to take care of your body and help to burn off some stress when in reality, you might actually just be increasing the stress on your body. Like you might come back and feel better mentally, but within your body, the hormones that have been released based on whatever you just did could be actually increasing the stress in your body. Yeah, 100%. So that balance of figuring out how much stress you can tolerate, how much stress you should tolerate, that's kind of the first guiding principle. Second one, accommodate previous injuries. All right? This includes things like working on, like consciously working on appropriate strength and mobility. Not just overall general strength, but if you've got a previous injury, you want to make sure that you are strengthening all of the muscles in and around the area that may have been causing that injury. Which does not necessarily mean your knee hurt, so you have to make sure that your quads are strong. Like it could be a knee hurt because you've got weakness in like hips or glutes. We've got the PT sitting here, so you know she's going to say that it's your glutes fault. That's pretty much the go-to, right? <laughs> It's not always the go-to, but I saw I saw it on a meme. So yeah. it was like my my PT said it was the glutes' fault. I mean, there's a lot of things <laughs> that are the glutes' fault. That's kind of the trend right now is like blaming the glutes, our poor ass muscles. <laughs> but like one of the things that um, you know we do need to look at here, like Kevin said, is runner specific training and that means you as a runner your body like kevin said if there were previous injuries if you have areas of weakness if you have knee pain it might not just be your you know strengthening your quad muscles it might be that you have a muscle imbalance from the left side to the right side that you need to address and this is why it's so important for you to have tool like assessment tools so you can figure out in your body where are the weak spots and so once you figure those out, then you can add in targeted strength and mobility exercises in addition to kind of the general, right? Because we all need runner-specific exercises, meaning um, exercises that will target the muscles that we specifically need in running that and work them in a functional way that mimic how they work while we are running during the running cycle, okay? But if we have previous injuries, we also need to 
make sure that we are doing exercises that are specific to those areas as well. Right. And I mean, we've got examples of people on the team that are doing like extra work on hamstrings, extra work mm-hmm. on calves, like mm-hmm. whatever it is, something beyond the, the normal strength routine that everybody really should be going through, like an overall body strengthening and some core strengthening, but then specific to that particular person. Right. And so when you're building your training plan, you need to be able to accommodate those previous injuries. And I'm not accommodate does not mean make excuses for it does not mean, oh, well, I had this injury, so I probably should do this type of workout. No, no, no. It means that you need to rehab those injuries or do exercises so that those injuries don't come back. hundred percent. Like that, that's kind of really highlighting how we're definitely going to get into warm up and cool down. Like you have to make sure that you prepare for whatever the, the day's workout is appropriately keeping in mind, oh yeah, I have that injury that flares up from time to time. Right. And we had this discussion on our training um, team call this week. Like we, we do a, a live weekly coaching call with everyone on our training team and they can just come and ask whatever questions they want. If anything is going on, they can come and and we can help coach them through any little hiccups or roadblocks that they might be having. And some someone asked about different um, mobility exercises and they said, well, should I be doing these like every day? Like they're only on my schedule once a week or twice a week. And my answer was that you need to understand that as your coaches, it's our job to expose you to certain things, right? It's our job to help you kind of figure out where the weakness in your body is, where the tightness is. And then it's your job to kind of figure out, okay, how often do I need to be actually doing this? Like we help guide you in that, but like for some people, they might look at their training schedule And if there's a certain exercise that's listed every single day, they might freak out, right? Mm -hmm. They might need it they might need to do it every day. They might need to do it every other day, but does it need to be listed as like a separate exercise on the training plan? For some people, yes, they like it there. And for other people, they don't. But you have to kind of figure out in your body, what do I need to do on any given day? Because, you know, I have this hamstring injury that was kind of bothering me and now it's kind of under control, but, you know, do I still need to be doing the exercises for this or not? And it's, kind of your job as the runner to figure out that answer, right? Like, okay, well, if I do it every day, how does it feel? If I do it every other day, how does it feel? Maybe if I only focus on it twice a week, am I still okay if I ramp up, you know, as I ramp up my training load or is that thing starting to flare back up again? And this is where that, again, going back to that experimentation idea, kind of figuring out what is right for you and your body. Right. This kind of reminds me of our kids going through school, like when they were in much younger grades and they first started getting vocab quizzes, they was like, okay, vocab quiz on Friday. Tomorrow, I need you to write the first 10 words on one side of a flashcard and the definition on the other side. And then for Wednesday, you had to write the next 10 words on one side and the definition on the other. And then there was something else they had to do, like a worksheet for Thursday and then the quizzes on Friday. So the teacher literally structured, was like, do this, do this, do this, do this. At this point in time, our older one is like, all right, there's a vocab quiz on Friday. Here's your vocab words. And she still makes flashcards because she found the flashcards useful. She doesn't do some of the other stuff that she used to do in prep because she didn't find that useful. She was gaining the benefit of flashcards and moves on. Now I've got kids that I'm teaching in high school. They're like, oh yeah, we never have to make flashcards, but I still do them because Mm -hmm. I found them useful. So they keep doing the things that are productive for them. Right. So as a teacher, their teachers expose them to multiple different study styles, right? Flashcards was one. Writing the word five times is another. Oh, and spelling. Putting putting the word in a sentence, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are all these things. And like you said, like 
the kids at the time think that that's a pain in the butt because they don't like homework, right. really. But what the teachers are actually doing are showing them different ways to learn, different ways to learn that vocab word or that spelling word or whatever it is. Same thing with your running plan, your training plan. There are different ways that you can strengthen one muscle. And which one do you like better, right? There are there's strength training, there's yoga, there's cross training. There's like lots of different ways that you can do one thing or accomplish one goal in your training but which one kind of makes the most sense for you which one do you like better which one feels the best for you and that's kind of where um, the customization aspect comes in yes so that's a lot about trying to take care of your previous injury Um, key point number three guiding principle of how to create a training plan cover the low-hanging fruit Like, cover the basics, the foundations. Don't try and hack your way to amazing success chasing these little tiny, like, maybe 1% improvement, maybe like half of a 1% improvement. Go for the big stuff. You know, if you're running two days a week, the improvement by running three days a week is a lot more than adding some, like, nuanced special workout to one of those two days. Yeah. I think a lot of people get this wrong. They try to go off after that, like, 1%, that tip or that trick or that hack that they saw online when in reality you can just kind of do some of the easier things. Like you say, the low-hanging fruit, right? Like adding in maybe an extra running day, depending on what you're already doing. Yes. Adding in a strength day, adding in some yoga, some mobility, those kinds of things. Like you don't have to worry about the exact nutrition that you're putting in on your run if you aren't eating well the rest of the week, right? That's another thing, right? Like that's a lot of people want to focus in on. They want to focus in on how exactly they're fueling during their long runs. Right, making sure that they have the exact right gel or chew or whatever during their long run, and then they follow that up with fast food for dinner. Like, that's that's really defeating the whole point of what you're eating during that small window of existence. Yeah, and not to say that you can never have fast food either, right? Like, everything is in moderation, everything with a balance, but if you're having fast food multiple times per day every day, that's different than eating a nutrient-dense, whole food-based thing where you're getting lots of vitamins and minerals and nutrients and making sure that you're getting enough sleep that's another really really low-hanging fruit that most people don't actually maximize right like actually getting enough sleep allowing your body to recover actually taking those planned rest days so that your body can build back stronger than it was before yes and of course this one has a good parallel to your other coaching career which is um kids softball oh yes kids softball the kids in the team that every time practice exists they ask are we going to learn how to slide tonight and Mm -hmm. it's like well no first we're going to make sure that you can catch the ball or that you know (laughs) how to run from first to second like let's at least practice stopping on the base versus you know working on sliding like they always want to learn technically if they slid they wouldn't be able to overrun the base not necessarily i mean let's let's be real here because a lot of times especially if they're just learning they if they start too soon they might not reach the base but they, and, and then they're too far away they won't overrun it <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna slide halfway to second but they probably won't overrun it yeah but like i mean that's the thing all the time right they watch their older brothers and sisters playing or they watch pros playing in the olympics and they want to learn how to do these really cool things and i'm like we have to work on the fundamentals first yeah. 
first. Like you need to learn how to throw the ball and you need to learn how to catch the ball. And like every girl on the team wants to play first base, right? It's like whenever I ask them, what position do you want to play? Everyone wants to play first base because in their minds, that's the base that gets the most action, right? They're actually going to get to touch the ball the most. But I'm like, I told them the other day, like at our last practice, I'm like, I am not going to put you at first base until I know that you can catch the ball because I don't want you to get hurt. Like this is not because I'm super concerned about winning all of our games or anything like that. I want you to be safe and I want to give you a chance. I'll give you plenty of chances in practice to do it, Mm -hmm. but I am not going to put you in a game until I know that you can catch the ball most of the time. Right. And so this has the parallels with running is make sure that you've covered some basic foundations that you, you have some strength training put in that you have a basic level of, of mileage put in, you know, adding extra running days to everybody is not the fix for everybody. This goes back to the first thing. Take the training load that you can. It's kind of funny if you look at the way that we train a lot of our athletes to suggest that principle number one was put as much of a training load as an athlete can handle. When, I know, you really threw me with that one. Because most people, if they looked at our athletes, if they looked at like what I'm doing right now, training for an ultra and my weekly mileage, you could say that it is very conservative on how much I'm putting onto it. But... I know how much my body can handle and I know other stresses that are going in my life and I know time commitment that I have that I am actually willing to donate to it. Like it's a Mm -hmm. conscious choice of this is what I'm choosing to do. So maybe could I ignore a couple of other things and maximize a few more miles? Might that help me in an ultra? Possibly, Mm -hmm. but it's a choice that I'm not willing, like I've consciously chosen. This is the mileage that I'm going to get to and then we'll see what the results come with that as my training. Right. And in your head, this is not a one and done type of thing either, right? You are also seeing this as a journey. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. And I think that a lot of times this is where we runners can also kind of like shoot ourselves in the foot, right? When we, oh, it's the first time I'm ever going to run a half marathon. I better do it in under two hours because that's what they say is a good you know, time for a half marathon or I'm running my first full marathon. I better do it in under four hours or whatever that time might be for you. Right. And like, there's this added pressure on top of just completing the race and that pressure just doesn't need to be there. There's, there's really, that can really take away a lot of the enjoyment, which takes us to our guiding principle of training plans. Number four, which is make it enjoyable, right? This running is a hobby, (laughs) Right? That's a repeatable. Running (laughs) is a hobby. Like for probably everyone listening to this podcast, unless there's a professional runner, hello, professional. Thank you for joining us. Please drop Angie a DM on Instagram. I would love that. Yeah. But like, honestly, for most of us or all of us listening to, to this podcast right now, running is a hobby. So you, it should be fun. It should be fun. You should be enjoying the heck out of yourself out there. And, you know, that's not to say that there's not going to be some days that maybe you don't enjoy. Like maybe there's a certain type of run you don't enjoy, or maybe you're not the biggest fan of strength training, but you know, you have to do it. Right. And that's okay. Like there's going to be pieces in anything, just like anything else in your life, any other goal you've ever achieved, any other thing that you've learned, any other hobby. Like, um, I took up learning the guitar last year just because I wanted, I thought it would be fun. Actually, it's been over a year now. It's been about a year. It's been about a year and a half now. Um, and I wanted to learn how to the guitar, how to play the guitar. And it was not fun at first. Like it was kind of fun when I like actually hit that one chord. But for the most part, my fingers really hurt and it was kind of frustrating. Right. But like 
I enjoyed the process of learning. I knew that as I was progressing and as I was I kept practicing it even though it sounded terrible at first and I literally couldn't make my hand get into the right position the more I tried the more I was able to hit more chords and be able to transition from one chord to the next and now I'm able to play full songs and it's so fun right but if we can kind of take that process and um, look at it as the process of learning, of growing, of challenging ourselves, of you know doing the hard things as enjoyable. That can also help us to help us to kind of shift our mindset a bit around it. Yeah, the hard things can be enjoyable. Like, these do not have to be mutually exclusive. But you like when you make a training plan, it has to look like something that if you overall look at it, you're like, yes, I'm going to have fun going through this training plan. It doesn't need to look like the easiest training plan. It doesn't need to look like the most impossible training plan. You don't have to look it out there and say that's 100% achievable or that looks super hard or my friends would be impressed with that. If I posted my training plan online, people would be like, wow, that's a training plan. That's not what it's designed for. Like, <laughs> Wow, what a training plan. Like, no one's doing that. Hey, I mean, some people are, no one actually makes that hand motion when they do that. Yeah, we need the video going for this I know, one. I forgot to hit the video on this one. <laughs> but, we really need to get better about doing that. Uh, I imagine that was like the Tony the Tiger, they're great kind of uh, hand motion for wow what a what a training plan but outside of like random pros that post a workout every once in a while people are like oh I, I should try and copy that workout for myself which you shouldn't um outside of that no one's looking at training plans online and being like yes that's that's what i need to do it needs to be something that you overall are going to enjoy out of it yeah exactly um and that's one of the reasons that i don't run more like, and I'm, yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. Nice. And that's one of the reasons that you do run more because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, everybody needs to run five days a week or six days a week or this. I run four days a week. I'll be totally honest with you. There are times, depending on what I'm training for and what my goal is, that I will run five days a week, um, but I don't like it as much. I will be totally true with you guys there because I enjoy strength training. I also very much enjoy yoga. And so I like to have those days and those times that I can put all of those different things into my training plan. It makes me very happy to have a running day, a strength day, a speed day, an easy run, a long run, like, and have kind of a variety throughout my week. Whereas Kevin is someone that likes to run almost every day. Right. I kind of like to take... An off day roughly every 10-ish days. I have a general layout of what my training plan is. I know when long runs are fitting in. I know how workouts are fitting in. But the way that the two of us work our running together and how other things are going on, I generally take off a Tuesday or a Thursday every other week. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how that works out. So it's roughly every 10 days or so. Sometimes I get an off day every seven days. Because and sometimes it's, just every... it's twice a week. Like if Sometimes if... I miss Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, because because, because of life. Yes. Right? Like because we're parents and we have two kids that also have schedules and sometimes we're running around and doing things or maybe you're just really tired, right? Maybe you had a high also training true. load the, the week before or a high stress and you're like, you know what? I need another off day. Yes, yes. So sometimes I have to build on a little flexibility to it. But in general, I I enjoy running about as much as I can. Exactly. And so it's important for you guys to kind of know yourself and kind of test this out. And I've tested it. Like I, four days a week is kind of my sweet spot. And um, right now I'm actually even running three because I was feeling just exhausted. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull back to three days a week. 
And I'm going to focus on three strength days and three running days. That's what makes me happy right now, right now in this training cycle that I'm in. And that's why it's so good to have these different training cycles with different goals so that we can accommodate those types of things, right? Like maybe one cycle is is maintenance where you're kind of pulling back on the running. Another one is base building. But this is the beautiful thing about training plans and having a training plan is that because when you have a goal, when you know what the goal for your training cycle is, then you can have some flexibility within that training plan if you want to. And if you're the kind of person that loves to know exactly what you're doing on every single day so that you can check that box and then be done with it, then you can do that too. Yeah, 100%. And I think you're knowing what the goal is kind of tease up the the rest of what we want to cover on this podcast, which is really what we started talking about. Do I need to have a warm-up? Do I need to have a cool-down? When? How? What's the point of it? And where do they fit onto a training plan? Exactly. So we talked about, like we said before, the macro view of everything, kind of the big view of the training plan. Now let's break it down to that individual day, like to that individual run. How do you structure a run? So do I need to warm up and do I need to cool down? The big answer is sometimes. People don't like that answer. I know. I wish the answer was like a solid yes or no and we could like decree, yes, you must do both of them at all times. But that's not the answer. Like the answer is sometimes. I mean, I think the answer is yes. But like, and and we're going to tell you why, you know, and like we've got some very good reasons here for you in both yes and no and probably and maybe and all these things. But quite honestly, I think that we should all be warming up and we should all be cooling down to an extent. Now, the extent of the warm up or the cool down yep. can change from day to day based on what we're doing but all of us are getting a little older every single day right and as much as we don't want to acknowledge that our body does have different needs in our 20s versus our 30s versus our 40s 50s 60s our body has different needs and i don't like to ever say that we're limited or that we can't do as much when we're older because i don't believe that but i do believe that our body changes every single decade of life that we move into and so we need to treat our body the way it needs like how it needs to be treated from us on any given day in ever in any given decade of life that we're currently in right it's about listening to our body doing what we need so that we can do the things that we want to do excellent so angie as doctor physical therapy is coming in with the strong yes we should warm up and cool down for all physical activities i like to run and then be done with my run so i'm going to try and lean (laughs) in with my maybe probably in that case, but what if you don't have to in that one? And we'll go back and forth on these guys and see how this plays out. Let's do it. Okay, so what does a warm-up actually do for us? So physically, it does a lot, right? So it helps to increase blood flow. It helps to improve range of motion. It helps to kind of get your metabolic systems firing. Your your metabolic systems are like your energy system. So like when your body, um, when we exercise, our body gets energy from different systems and different pathways in our body sometimes we're breaking down sugar and glucose using glucose as energy sometimes we're breaking down fat and using that as energy right so all of those things kind of need to fire up um and that's one of the benefits physically of the warm-up mentally we're also just like 
getting our brains on board, right? Like, okay, especially for those of us that run or work out in the morning, you're kind of waking up, you kind of get, kind of have to get moving and be like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Like, I don't know if you guys are like me, but you know, the first couple steps at 530 in the morning, your legs don't always know exactly what's going on. Yeah, no, those are, <laughs> those are rough. And right? it takes from, if you start right outside of our house, which I start at our mailbox, it's a good 10 steps before you're far enough past like the trees in front of a couple of houses that you can even see this the uh the light mm -hmm. shining down on you so you start in complete dark also mm -hmm. which is is a fun little add-on yeah and when you run like all of your body's systems need to start ramping up right your your heart rate needs to increase your breathing your respiration rate needs to increase your circulation the blood flow that's going from your heart out to your muscles and all of the working parts of your body, that needs to increase. That all needs to speed up. And so the warm-up allows your body to do that more gradually, which is just more favorable for how our bodies like to work versus going from like zero to 60, especially at 5.30 in the morning. Especially, I think, at 5.30 in the morning. And I think we have a lot of, of early running listeners uh, to the podcast. So if you wake up and get yourself going – everything needs to get moving. Mm -hmm. Like you've got you, the way that you're digesting overnight versus now suddenly you're up and you're trying to like use the food that you ate the night before. Maybe you had a little snack before you headed out on your run. You should. You, yes, you should. Um, but maybe you just shot out the door. Some people wake up, they have like a mini breakfast, cup of coffee, trip to the bathroom, and then they head out. That's mm -hmm. a different setup. So I would argue that that process is even part of the warm up. Mm -hmm. It's just getting your body ready for the physical action. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, and like even sometimes when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll be brushing my teeth and I'll be doing like calf raises or hip are. swings. <laughs> Can you not see me doing this in the yes, bathroom? Yes, no. Angie does calf raises at all times. Everybody else should feel bad about themselves for not doing calf raises 24-7. Every what time she brushes about? teeth, calf raises, every podcast. Like, we should go back and listen to previous podcasts and see how many podcasts you mentioned that you brush your teeth while doing podcast while doing calf raises. <laughs> I'll hire an editor just to, just to go back and listen to 247 episodes. Perfect. Yeah. So, we need some OG listeners uh, and see how many times. <laughs> This has popped up. A calf raise montage. Perfect. But like, you know, I'll be kind of like warming up my feet and getting into like runner, like a lunge position at the kitchen or at the bathroom sink. At no point in time <laughs> in, in my years of existence have I ever been brushing my teeth and thought to myself, you know what I should do? runner's lunge no not a runner's lunge a high lunge i just kind of put my leg back into a high lunge position also never done a high lunge while <laughs> brushing my teeth it feels really good you should try it take your word for but it sometimes that's what leads to like the, the toothpaste like leaking down like dripping out of my mouth which oh, is never fun okay fair enough so bleaching my t-shirt let's move to the next point do we need is to that, warm is that up tmi for our listeners no there's not much tmi it's a podcast where we share a lot about our lives yeah. All right. Do we need to warm up? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Under certain situations, I think that it's an absolute yes. Yes. And some things like a high intensity workout mm -hmm. or a race where you're literally going to be pushing yourself to a very high speed. Mm -hmm. You can't go from zero to, to 60. Like that's you not going to happen. It's just not a good idea. Well, I mean, your body doesn't, is not going to try and cooperate well with you. Right. That like one. a lot of times that's what leads to, especially if it's like a, a hard workout or a race, side stitches, right? Yeah. Leading to side stitches or muscle cramps or those kinds of things that tend to plague runners just because you didn't get a proper warm up in. 
Sure. Or any time you're working out in the cold. Like, Which happens for us like twice a year. Right. But it happens, so sad. it happens to a lot of our listeners all the time mm-hmm. when they're off running through snow. Like if you're trying to do almost anything, like whatever the pace is, if you're trying to get out and run in the cold, it might be beneficial to do a warm up before you get in the snow and try and run through the cold to just loosen your muscles up before you try and undergo, undergo the physical activity in the mm-hmm. cold because it's hard to warm up when you're already out in the snow. Yeah. And another reason that you would want to warm up is because it feels really good and because you have time. Yes. So this is why you warm up for a lot of things. Because it feels really good. Yeah. You very much enjoy the process of warming up. And what goes into a warm up, we'll get to in a second here, but you don't necessarily have to go through a full-blown all the possible parts of a warm-up in all cases. No, my warm-ups are usually three to five minutes long. It just kind of depends on what I'm doing. And quite honestly, my warm-up is is kind of the same regardless of what I'm doing. Sometimes I do a little bit of extra things. Sometimes I, um, you know, add in a couple things here here or there or kind of modify things a little bit. But for the most part, I kind of stick to the same kind of things because I know what my body, what feels good in my body. Ah, see, I have various warmups depending Mm -hmm. on what it is that I'm about to undergo. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I will add in certain things when I'm doing, you know, depending on what I'm doing. You've got like a base routine that you do and then you add stuff on top of it. Right. My base routine is pretty simple. And are we, do we talking about that down Yeah, we'll get to it in a second here. But first off, let's get to, um, when is it not like a guarantee? Yes, you definitely have to do it. I, I would say these are things that I would call a probably would benefit you of doing a, a warm up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing I have on here is you're injury prone. Yeah. You're not currently hurt, but you are prone to injuries. Mm-hmm. Warming up before any of your workouts would probably be helpful. Would be a good idea. I, I would 100% agree with that. Um, if you ever feel sore when you start working out, that would be another reason that you would probably want to do it in before pretty much any workout right so if you had a hard day like yesterday and now it's an easy run but you're still feeling sore from the day before instead of just going out and trying to run it might benefit you to do a little bit of a Mm warm-up i don't always do a warm-up on these days um, I would say that I start my easy run at a slower pace and gradually work into it. You could debate whether or not that counts as a warm up or it not. Does. I just, instead of just going for it, I, I make sure that I'm consciously very easy at the beginning, but I never like stop in the middle of the run and be like, all right, now I'm done with the warm up portion and I'm on to the next. I just, that's my easy run. It just starts nice and gentle and in control. Yeah. My, I tend to have very tight calves and like, and sometimes my plantar fascia feels very tight, like nothing to the extent of where I have like what I would call plantar fasciitis, but just like tightness, right. In my calves and in my plantar fascia. And so I do some warm up before I start the run, but then usually about a mile in, even on an easy run, I'll stop again and stretch my calves and my plantar fascia because I know that those are just tight areas on my body and it feels good for me to kind of stretch them out and I can feel them at that mile mark. They're kind of like, they're feeling tight and then I stop for a couple minutes and just kind of do a couple active stretches with them and I continue running and they just feel a lot better. So that's the benefit of stretching to tell your, you're not actually stretching muscles in that case, because that's not what's happening, but you're essentially 
keying in your brain that it's going to let yourself move through a, a greater range of motion. That's right? what it is. Yeah, it's it's basically just range of motion types of exercises. Okay, so you're injury prone. You're sore before you even begin running. You have a nagging injury. I debated putting this one in the absolute. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a nagging injury, somewhere between probably and definitely, you should be warming up for things. My vote is definitely. Okay, fair enough. And activities with moderate intensity. So something like a, a tempo run. I, I put it as probably. I don't think that you should start out a workout at level five. This one, it, it's kind of more in the gray area to me of your warm-up does not need to be quite as intense if the ultimate workout part is... Um, is just a moderate intensity. I agree. Like if you are doing like a level eight, like hard speed work, like hard quarter repeats, hard two hundreds, those types of things, then you definitely need to do a warm up. Hundred percent. If you are doing a more moderate pace, like marathon pace type of workout at that tempo, moderate intensity, ten k type of stuff, like is it as necessary? I would agree with you. It's not as necessary as before harder speed work but I still do think it's beneficial and I think that you know anytime we're doing harder efforts it's a good idea to just kind of allow our bodies to ramp up to that slowly okay and then in the category of maybe you should do a warm-up maybe maybe not um steady state runs which is more like marathon pace. So even like a pullback from a classic tempo pace, classic tempo, you could hold for about an hour. No one's, no one's hitting a marathon in an hour. Kipchoge's like not even trying to hit a marathon in an hour. Um, long runs might be a good idea to do a little bit of a warm up for it, but you're already running for so long. So adding a warm up to it seems like a lot, especially if there's a lot of running to your warm up. Well, I think that that's what it, what it needs to talk about. And, you know, we're going to get into that in a little bit here when we talk about what to do in a warm up. But it's all about what exactly you're calling a warm up, too. Fair enough. And then the last one where maybe is an easy run. And that's very situationally dependent of whether you should warm up for just like an easy run in and of itself. Yeah. And again, this is what I what I was talking about before. I just think it's a good idea to warm up like because our bodies, it just will perform better. They just feel better. All right. So do you want to say what we should do for a warm up now? And then we'll go back and talk about cool down. Sure. Sounds like a plan. Okay. So. What do you do for your warm-up? We can talk about all the different aspects of things you can put into it, but what do you generally do for your warm-up? So I think that you can either start out with a walk or like an easy jog, right? I think that that's number one. What I typically like to do, my um, kind of warm-up routine is I actually do arm circles because I like to – people are like, why are you doing – why is it your do your arms matter and I'm, I like to open up like my upper back and everything because like when I do arm circles it's not just opening up my shoulder joints it's also kind of loosening up my upper back and my neck which tend to get tight for us as runners especially if we're you know sitting a lot and posture and all the things so I like to just do arm circles I like to do some like chest opening types of exercises I like to do runner's lunge, um, runner's lunge with an added twist, again, to help with that upper back mobility. Runner's lunge is really good for opening up my hips. I like to do down dog because that will, um, again, open up my shoulders, my upper back, my lower back, my hips. And then I like to kind of paddle my feet out to uh, get my calves moving. And then I, when I'm in that down dog position, I bend my knees and kind of bring my knees toward the ground because that help, helps to open up my 
plantar fascia and Achilles because it like kind of brings that stretch lower down in the calf. So your warm-up looks like a lot of yoga and yoga-inspired positions. Yeah, like a lot of mobility types of things. Um, and then I do hip swings, um, especially if I'm doing any sort of speed work. Um, but that's kind of what my go-to warm-up routine. Okay, and so do you go through all of that on like before most runs, even mm-hmm. like easy runs? I would say so. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of times in the morning, like I, I always run in the morning. And so my body just, it feels better for me when I do all that stuff just to kind of open myself up. Okay, fair enough. Um, there's a wide variety of things that you can put into a warm-up. What do you like to do? All right, so now that my mileage is getting higher, I throw in some activation exercises. So I do... Um, I do clamshells and then I don't know what the name for it is, but I go on, um, so I do clamshells, I do sideline leg lift, and then I go on all fours and kick my legs straight out behind me, okay. like, like from quadruped and then kick straight out and back. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called, Yeah, but that. Like a donkey kick? Sure. Kind of. It's, it's a hip extension exercise from... It, hands and knees yes it's Mm -hmm. it's a whole bunch of stuff of working on hips and activating little things inside glutes and stuff and that keeps everything feeling happy so before like a long or an easy or almost anything i do that just so that i don't start feeling injured and, Mm -hmm. and hurt or anything like that so i as my mileage is ramped up that just happens before basically all of my runs especially morning runs sometimes if i come home from school and then i just you know head out the door and get get a run in i don't always throw those things in um and then the other aspect pretty much any speed session i'm doing the first mile to 10 minutes is at a very comfortable pace and then i'll turn into whatever the workout is if it's really fast i'll do 10 minutes then i'll stop i'll do leg swings i'll do several different running drills and i'll do strides Mm -hmm. yep and so those are all the things that you really can add into your warm-up. So your warm-up should essentially take you from doing nothing and gently ramp you up into whatever activity you're doing. So it could include a walk, an easy jog, some drills, long strides, accelerations, like some gentle plyometrics, nothing crazy, but like just like literally just bouncing up and down on your toes, right? Jumping in place is a form of plyometrics or doing like some squat jumps or different things like that just to kind of open you up and get or bounding exercises, skipping types of exercises. Those kinds of things are all, that's, you know, they're kind of drills and plyometric drills all all into one there. But just to kind of get your body used to some of that more powerful explosive types of movement right and i think it very much depends on what the workout is going to be if you're moving towards something that's going to be a much more high intensity workout then you know going from gradual plyos into something that's even more intense of plyos might be super helpful you know i've i've worked with sprinters uh, during track season that do a bunch of like hurdle walkovers to really open up their hips because mm-hmm. the range of motion required for full sprinting is totally different if you take like a distance run and you're going to have them do like mile pace repeats, some accelerations where you're getting up towards almost like sprinting form is useful because you're getting even faster than the workout is requiring. So it depends on how intense the workout is going to be. Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk about cool downs, okay? What does a cool down do for us? And then again, do we need to do it? So Again, the cool down physically has a lot of benefits because so basically the cool down is after your workout portion or after your run 
you're bringing your body back down to baseline. So this helps to bring us out of that sympathetic nervous system response, that fight or flight response. Because when we're running, we are predominantly activating our sympathetic nervous system, right? Our heart rate goes up, our breathing rate goes up. And so when we cool down, we're slowly allowing our bodies to kind of come down out of that sympathetic response. Right. And so what this also does during the process of coming out of that response is it signals all the hormones in your body that the hard work is done Mm -hmm. and it's time for the repair crew to show up and start gaining the benefits of the hard thing you just did. Exactly. So the cool down following a very hard workout is super helpful because it literally triggers your body. All right, we're on downtime. Everything is safe and we can relax and go to the repair crew and start reaping the benefits. Yeah, and and then that's when really the parasympathetic nervous system is activated and you can start to repair and rest and digest. Um the other thing that it does is helps to gradually lower your body temperature and your heart rate. So if you've ever done something really really hard and then just stopped you might have felt like a little lightheaded and that's one of the things that can happen when you go from like really hard work to like nothing at all right and this is why we tell our athletes a lot of times especially if we're doing hard speed sessions on the track or something like that they come through and they're just wiped out and they just lie down on the ground we're like no no no, get up get up get up keep moving right or they want to sit down right away and when you change from like going super hard to doing absolutely nothing that is such a shock on the body like it's not good for us as athletes it can lead to dizziness lightheadedness um, and other issues so by doing a cool down we can just kind of allow our body to gradually come back down to that homeostasis state excellent there was a podcast i was listening to recently that talked about they had done an athlete like a you know exercise science study on the benefit or negative aspect of putting your hands on your knees after a hard effort. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody who's ever had the PE, I mean, I had my football coach was yelling me at that in fifth grade of hands never go on your knees. Like hands on your knees is a sign of weakness. And the study showed that putting your hands on your knees helped athletes, um, recover faster and be ready for the next like exercise bout really versus there was a positive effect there was a positive effect because like anybody that's ever ran really really hard what you want to do is put your hands on your knees turns out you are in fact smart enough to listen to your body and say that's what i actually should be doing right now i mean isn't it funny that that is what so many of us want to do and like a lot of times our natural reaction to something is what is actually best for us yes turns out that it was scientifically proven it was better to do that than the athletes that were told that they had to stay upright like stand upright keep breathing or i think there was a like another group that had like hands over their heads it was like mm-hmm. yeah no hands on your knees that was actually the the best way to recover nice um and then so obviously there are physical benefits for a cool down but again mentally there are also benefits because it's huge it allows us to kind of reflect on what we just did like and be like heck yeah like I just did that right whether or not it went well or uh logistic not logistically like objectively objectively like if you didn't hit the paces or the workout exactly as it was planned like it kind of allows you to just kind of take a step back and look at what you just did right maybe this also gives you a chance to chat with the people around you Mm -hmm. you know sometimes during the workout itself you're not talking with people maybe your running group kind of separates during the workout or the workout's going so fast that you just aren't talking during the workout it gives you a chance to actually connect with the other people around you that just did 
did this same hard thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it also allows you to go from the running portion of your day into the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the big mental aspect to me is that ability to like reflect on the work, especially reflect on the work with other people around us. That's huge. Like that was my favorite aspect of racing in high school was the cool down with a team. And then we'd stop and have like team chat afterwards Mm -hmm. where you'd go over the races. Yeah. And I mean, this is one of the things I love about my running group also. Like we just had a hard workout yesterday morning and it was like, it was brutal. Like for those of us that did it, there were four of us that did that, did the speed session. And then three people decided to do kind of their own thing and just do an easy run that day. And so, like you said, we kind of lost each other during the the course of the workout and we all regathered at the end. And like, there was a lot of like congratulating each other and be like, man, thank you so much. Like you helped pull me through that workout, right? Like I would not have done eight reps of that if it hadn't been for you. And there was a lot of, you know, building each other back up yeah I mean, right it, like commiserating on how hard the workout was and then also like building the other people up for like way to go like way to show up and do that hard thing today right and sometimes it helps sort of build the running community if we mm-hmm. have a lot of solo runners the the post run part of the cool down can be you know talking it over with another runner even if they weren't there sharing what happened on your run with somebody else can really it, you don't have to be bragging find somebody else who understands it and just can hear the excitement or the disappointment in mm-hmm. what just happened it, it makes it real and allows you to actually reflect on it in a very positive manner, I think. Yeah, and it can also give you just like time for you to prepare for the rest of your day, right? Like if you run early in the morning, if you take just a couple minutes to cool down at the end of your run, you can kind of be like, all right, like now this portion of my day is over. Now I'm going to get ready mentally for whatever is coming up for the rest of the day. All right, so do we need a cool down? Are you as strong yes on this one as I'm you are in a less, warm up? no. I am more strongly yes on a warm-up than I am with a cool-down. I do think that the cool-down is beneficial, especially if you are dealing with injury, especially following like a very high-intensity type of workout, Um, or if you want to add mileage after the workout. Like I know that this is something that you like to do a lot, um, or people that are training for longer races, they'll do like a short workout portion of like their run that day, and they want to get in some extra mileage, so they kind of put put on some easy miles at the end right which done, aren't actually easy <laughs> right well i mean i've done this as part of a long run like mm-hmm. my long run i don't know a few weeks ago i started i did a warm-up to it i had like a mile actually i waited until i made it through this one intersection so i didn't have to stop so i made it like a mile and a half of a warm-up and then i did a 20 minute tempo session and then i finished the rest of like a 15 mile long run yeah so that was a lot of miles following this harder portion saying like all right now i'm gonna make sure i get plenty of miles after i'd already tired my body out yeah it's kind of not exactly it's not a cool down it's not a cool down in that that (laughs) aspect necessarily um the cooldown really is designed to to pull you back. So extra miles is not necessarily a, a cooldown in and of itself. It is not. Yeah, it is not. I read it because it was on your outline, but uh, it's like I'm not count- I'm not counting that as the cooldown. Right, fair enough. It can be like after you finish that, then you like walk a little while, or you do some drills, or those kinds of things. Because I know you like to do those types of things after your long run, also. Yes, I like to do drills after pretty much every single run. Mm-hmm. It just it also helps me. So, if you're currently de- dealing with injury, the workout was super intense. These are you definitely should 
put in a cooldown to it. Where you probably should put a cooldown in, um, if you're the kind of person that just often avoids mobility, finish a run and do some mobility drills. Yeah. I bet you'll feel better the next day. Yeah, I think that it's just a nice opportunity. It's a nice reminder. Like, if you want to, if you need to start another habit of, like, doing some mobility, doing it after a run is a great thing because it's, like, that trigger, right? Like, we talk about when we try to form habits, you need that trigger to, you know, initiate that new habit. So you're... Uh, trigger to do your mobility work or your drills could be ending your run. Yes. I right? love when you can read my mind of what I was aiming for yeah. on the on the outline. Well, and it's also, you know, your body's also very warm at that point, right? Your mm-hmm. your muscles are loose. You've got a lot of circulation going. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times after a run, especially a long run, my body's pretty stiff because we don't go through a large range of motion while we're running, right? And so I really enjoy the cool down portion where I can take my body through some of these drills like mark or butt kicks or these kinds of things like I love the karaoke because it just kind of helps loosen my body back up again and just it feels good right so that also kind of glides a little bit into maybe you need a cool down maybe you don't after an easy run I don't think you need one I don't think you need one yeah. but if if it feels good this yeah. kind of goes back to the other one if it feels good you have time in your schedule go ahead you can put in some drills you can do some like walking and some drills just to kind of bring your body back to base level mm-hmm. and that works perfectly it depends on what the goal of all of your runs are which is kind of the point of this whole thing is it depends on what the overall goal is that you're aiming for yeah and again it feels good is a really good reason to do it. Like if you guys, that's kind of the theme that's been going through this episode. Like I like it because it feels good. Like mobility work, warm ups, cool downs, these things are really good things for our bodies because it helps our bodies to feel better. So especially if you are someone that is prone to injury or has a nagging injury, you should definitely be incorporating warm ups and cool downs just because it's good for your body. It will help your body to gradually increase into an activity and then come down more gradually afterwards it's less of a shock on your body you can get in some extra mobility work which I'm guessing you probably need especially if you have an injury and again it just feels good yeah. So what do you put into a cooldown? You just reverse your warm up essentially. So the same way that a warm up might end with strides, you could put strides as the beginning of a cooldown mm-hmm. and just kind of take your way back the other direction. Then you'd put in some drills. You end essentially with an easy jog if necessary. Like if if you feel like that would help bring you back down. You may end with just like a little bit of a walking, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes to walk at the beginning of your run, do an easy run and walk a little bit at the end is going to make you feel great for the next day. Yeah, I actually really like that. And I've been doing that more because I'll what I'll do is I'll walk the girls to school in the morning, like on the mornings where I can run after dropping them off. Like there are some times that I run at like 530 in the morning and other mornings. I have a little bit more flexibility that I can run um, after I take them to school. But I'll walk them to school, come home, and then I'll go off and do my easy run. Sometimes I leave straight from school and then do my easy run. And then I come back and I get the dog and I take her on a little half-mile walk just to kind of cool down as well. Yeah. So it works great. As a recovery day, that's amazing. You get a little walk, you get an easy run, and you get another little walk. Your body probably feels great after that. Mm -hmm. You got it. So... Hopefully this was helpful for you guys so that you can kind of understand what the importance of the warm-up and cool-down are and also the importance and kind of some of the guiding principles when building your training plan because it's really all about both. Like when we think about like 
do I really need to do that? Like the answer in most cases is probably, you know, like the thing is there are things that are going to have benefits for you. But as a real life runner, you always have to kind of weigh out like the extra time that you spend on that thing. Is it worthwhile for you? And in my opinion, a warm up is definitely time well spent. Yes, especially if you have the injury, you've got a, a nagging injury that still exists, you're more injury prone, or you have a very difficult workout coming up. You must make sure that you get the warm up in. Absolutely. So if you guys found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend head over to iTunes and leave us a review you can even if you've left us left us a review before you can leave reviews for individual episodes if you want so you could leave as many reviews as you want to on our podcast and so we would love it if you were to do that and if you were to share this with a friend if you found it helpful because it will just help us to reach more runners and help more people which is one of the things that we love to do so as always guys thank you so much for joining us this has been the real life runners podcast episode number two 247. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you've ever felt like you could use a reset button or an easy button for your running, we are here to help you out. We have a new resource created for you, a new free resource called the five day running reset to help you run easier and get better results. So for more information and to sign up for this free five-day reset, head over to our website, realliferunners.com forward slash reset. We'll see you there.